gospel message. Today's gospel message is going to be taken from a story that we all know very well and have probably known from our childhood. This is the story of Daniel and specifically Daniel in the lion's den. And though I am very familiar with this story, as most of you are as well, I'm sure, I heard it today in a way that I have never heard it before. And it came in such a manner that I know it was from the Lord. And he sent this message to me to encourage me on a day that I I, I I knew I needed the encouragement, but I didn't know I needed it until I got it. And again, knowing this story, we know Daniel was by King Darius at the time, or Darius, however the name is pronounced. And this is from Daniel chapter 6, as I said. And he, King Darius, set up uh, some edicts, some princes, 20 that would be all over, that would, you know, I guess preside over his kingdom or rule or govern the kingdom with him. And over those 20 princes, he chose three presidents, of which Daniel was the first that he chose. Now we know that in this land, in this land of Persia, Daniel had come into this land when he was very, very young and he was a captive. When the Israelites were taken uh, captive and led into Babylon, that was how Daniel came to be here. But we also know from the earlier chapters of Daniel, how Daniel being uh, a God-fearing young man at the time when he was just a youth and of course continued to grow up in his God-fearing ways, very prayerful, very obedient, very God-fearing, as the scripture tells us. And verse 3 tells us that he, he, an excellent spirit was in Daniel. And I mean, that's just a description that I've always marveled at because God has a way of describing his beloved in his book. You know, he called Abraham his friend. He said, David was a man after his own heart. And of Daniel, he said, an excellent spirit was in him. And uh, it pleased King Darius to set Daniel as one of the three presidents over the land. And of course, as some people's excellence will, al will always have an effect on, on others, there were those who were of the land that were envious. They were envious of Daniel and they hated him. And of course, that set them in motion, as evil always does, to plan and to plot how to ruin him, how to bring him down, how to make him lose favor in the sight of the king. This became their occupation. And they plotted day and night, I'm sure. I'm sure they had meetings upon meetings and it was all they, they, they ate, they, they slept, they, they drank this evil plot to bring Daniel down. So it so happens that they succeeded. Again, you can read the chapter on your own if you don't remember. They couldn't find any way. There was no scandal. Daniel wasn't out there doing what he wasn't supposed to do. He wasn't breaking the law. He wasn't 
hiding out in places where he shouldn't be. He wasn't engaging in activities that he shouldn't. They could find nothing. There was nothing. There was no internet then, of course, so they couldn't find anything on social media against him. There was nothing. And then they said, you know what? If we're going to get Daniel, let us get him on the only occasion we're going to find against Daniel is an occasion, you know, concerning the, the law of his God. I mean, just think of how crafty they were. They, I mean, think of the, the extent to which you sit down and plot this thing, you know, and says, you know what, if we're going to get him, we're going to get him on his faith. We're going to get him on the practice of his faith. We know he's a God-fearing man. Not that they're going to make him slip up in his faith, but they're going to use his faith to find some way to set him up. And they did. They convinced King Darius, who I guess had a moment of insanity, to pretty much be a god for a month. And they souped him up and stroked his ego to the point where they said, King Darius, you are so wonderful. You are so excellent. Let it be that for a whole month, everybody must worship you. And if anybody is found not worshiping you or worshiping some other God, that person must be put to death. You know, in, in this particular case, they specified cast into the den of lions. What a hor horrendous death, you know. So, of course... King Darius, he says, hey, okay, that sounds like a great idea. He goes ahead, he establishes the decree, he resigns it, he, he uh, signs it with his signet ring, and next thing you know, this law was in motion. Now, the Bible tells us that Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He heard this thing, and okay, he went about his business as usual. Verse 10 says that, you know, he, he, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, as he always did. He didn't go and do some special night vigil or one uh, uh, three-member prayer or whatever the case may be. Daniel went about his usual prayer habits. He didn't let the evil that he knew had already been set in motion against him to deter him from worshiping his God. He didn't fear. He didn't cower. He didn't panic. He didn't go and hide. He did it as he had done before. If he was one to always, you know, worship on, on mercy day or worship on power day, he just went about doing that. He didn't change his routine. He didn't change it because he was afraid of what these wicked men were going to do. Now, of course, you know, his enemies were laying in wait. And the minute they saw him, boom, they jumped on him and said, Hey, king, come and see. This man has broken your law. He was caught praying to his God. And he is in complete violation of the edict that, that you have declared a, a few days ago. And where the king thought that maybe he could double back on what he said, they were like, ah, 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 ah. No, you can't, because according to the law of, of the Medes and the Persians, once we, put, once we establish a law, we cannot go back on it. You cannot go back on it, O king. So sorry, uh, what you said was going to happen to him has to happen to him because that's what you signed. You said it. You put your signet ring on it. It's done. That's it. And the king was like, with a heavy heart, sorrowful, sorrowful. Because I believe King Darius had always admired 
Daniel's faith. Even though he did not believe in God the way Daniel believed in his God, he knew that Daniel believed in his God. And, and, and something tells me that the king had an admiration for this Daniel and how disciplined he was and how law-abiding he was and how loyal he was. And then on top of that, he was a man of faith. He saw the way he worshipped his God. He saw the way he was devoted to his to his his prayer routine and everything. I, I believe the king knew this, and that's why it pained him that he had got he had got God as they say you know that he fell for it that he fell for these tricksters and now he has to bring this punishment upon a man who was so undeserving of this nature of punishment does this ring a bell with anyone because I I I mean I think God is just wonderful in these in these stories and, and it's it's like they're actualities but they're also allegorical in the sense that they they tell a story isn't that what happened with Christ and not that they trapped Christ or anything, but just look at the plotting. Remember when we read the story of, of, of the betrayal, how the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leader would all just sit down to conspire and, and just plot, plot. How do we get him? How do we get him? How do we get him? How do we trap him? And it just, they, that was their life, you know? And, and, and Daniel's life was almost like a precursor to that. But I digress because that's not what this is about. Um, so... The king had no choice but to now throw Daniel into the lion's den, which again, as we know the story, he did. And while Daniel was in the lion's den, the king was beside himself. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. There was his usual nighttime entertainment. He couldn't do it. And very early the next morning, he ran to the, to the den of the lions. It says he went in haste. That's what verse 19 tells us. And the minute he got there, it says he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, meaning his voice was full of emotion. It was full of sorrow. It was full of fear. It was full of agony, anxiety, all the emotions you can think. It was like he, his voice was full of dread and just Oh, Daniel, Daniel, has your God, he says, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from these lions? He went with hope, but at the same time, he went with dread because he yelled out and he's like, oh, is he going to answer me? Is he still alive? This is God that I know he believes in. Because some people say that King Darius didn't have faith. I, I don't believe he had faith in God. He wasn't his God. He did not serve the living God, but he knew Daniel did. He did not believe in the God of Daniel, but he knew that Daniel believed in the God of Daniel. So it was almost like he had hope in Daniel's faith. It wasn't his faith. It was Daniel's faith. And again, it's, uh, it's, it's such an allegory when, when in the New Testament, in um, Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 20, what did it say? I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. But not I, but Christ who lives within me. And this life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. I mean, it's one thing to trust in someone else's faith. It's an amazing thing because we know the faith of Christ was perfect. So that's why, again, I digress. But that's just another interesting connection to make between these two stories. But of course, we know how this story in Daniel 6 concluded. Daniel was alive. He said, oh, king, live forever. Again, still respectful Daniel. 
respectful. He greeted the king the way he's supposed to greet the earthly king. With the same reverence after the experience that he just went through. You know, and he says, he says, my God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Daniel was able to rest assured that God knows I'm innocent of this charge. Which, hey, for a lot of us, most of the charges that are brought against us, a lot of us are guilty in some way, shape, or form. Not all the time, but in this case, Daniel was innocent. And Daniel said, the Lord vindicated me because this thing that I've been accused of, I honestly didn't do it. I didn't do it, and, and God has vindicated me. And why I said this was... Um, profound for me today is that, you know, I was going, I was going through some things, going through some thought. Now, leading up to today, you know, the Lord has been pressing upon me, the Holy Spirit has been pressing upon me about, you know, theoretical faith and experiential faith, if that's even the word, experiential, but faith as in, okay, I know that I'm supposed to trust God, that's the theory, but do I really trust God? That is the experience. And a lot of times on the heels of a service day, on the heels of a Sabbath day, we come out of church, we're pumped, we're ready to go, we're ready to dive into the week. And we say we believe, and we say we have faith, and we say we trust, but there's only one way for that to really happen. And that's to create a scenario in which when after we've prayed, Lord, I no longer want to be fearful, he brings a scenario that under normal circumstances would have made one fearful. And that was the circumstance for me today. And all through the day, I was just praying, just trusting God and saying, Lord, I will not, I will not allow this situation to rile me up. I will not allow this situation to destabilize me. I will not allow it to make me think thoughts that are in line with a life that I have left behind. The life of fear, the life of anxiety, I have left those behind because I believe that you are with me in this situation. And this was how I spent most of my day. And the, the person who, who shared this, this story with me said, Look at your fears, that thing that you are afraid of, that thing that you are worried about, that thing you are concerned about as the lions and the evil men, both, you know, the evil men who we can count as the enemy here, you know, stirred things up, used his agents, used the people who are always willing to be used by him in order to create a situation that brought you face to face with that thing that you're praying for deliverance from. In my case, it was fear. It was anxiety. And, and for some people like me, fear always leads to another reaction. It could be anger. It could be rudeness. It could be just a withdrawal me being very quiet. And someone can read that and say, oh, this person is very bad-tempered, or this person is very grouchy, this person is very, you know, not polite or disrespectful. But what they don't know is that those things, those manifestations are really a byproduct of something much deeper. 
And that deeper thing that they are a byproduct of is fear. And for me, a lot of times, it's not the fear of something happening. It's the fear of how I'm going to react when that thing happens. A lot of times when I avoid certain people, it's because those people sort of bring out the worst in me. They bring out a bad reaction. But what the Lord is, is also reminded me was that I'm in charge of my reaction. I'm in control of my reaction. Nobody, no matter how nasty they are, no matter how wicked they are, can make me do something if I am determined not to do that thing. So these lions were the fear and that fear that would want to make me react in a certain way, would want to make me feel a certain way, feel anxious, feel angry, feel resentful, feel vengeful in that, oh, this person hurt me, now I'm determined to hurt them back. Or this person said something to me, now I'm determined to say something back to this person. Make me act in ways that have grieved me because I know those ways are not pleasing to God. And, and these lions represent that fear. But what happened with the lions? God sent his angel to keep the lions at bay so that they could not hurt Daniel. When we go into situations, now this is my scenario. Your scenario could be completely different. But think about what those lions and those wicked people, those wicked men that set Daniel up, think about what they represent in your life. The wickedness, the wicked people push you into a situation that make you come face to face with your lions. The enemy, as in Satan, or anybody he uses or stirs up, pushes you or brings about a circumstance that brings you face to face with your lions. Here was the victory of Daniel, just so we can know how to be in the face of these lions. In that chapter six, verse 23, it says, then the king, then was the king exceeding glad for him, for Daniel, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Because he believed in his God. Remember what Daniel said. Daniel said when he came out, he says, the Lord sent angels to shut the mouths of the lion because I was found innocent in him. Daniel's assurance was that God would vindicate him in this situation. He believed it. So because he believed it, because he believed in God, not in his righteousness, but in the God that is our righteousness, he believed in this God. Now, as I said before, Daniel was completely innocent of this, but some of us were, a lot of us were not innocent of, of just in general. We have blood on our hands. We've committed sin. We've committed transgression. But when we take those transgressions to the Lord and confess them to him with contrition and do penance and then drop those ways 
Remember how when he delivered the adulterous woman in Romans chapter, sorry, in John chapter 8. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she says, I don't know. And he says, they're not here to condemn you and neither do I. He said, go and sin no more. When we come to God with a contrite heart and acknowledge our sinful ways be before him or even acknowledge our struggles before him because it might be something that we have not fully overcome but we are committing it to God and we are agonizing over it because we earnestly want to be delivered from it. So when the enemy now sets us up like the alcoholic who is struggling with alcoholism and because Satan wants him to fail, him or her to fail, they will bring those friends around that want to tempt uh, the person to go back to drinking or the one who is a, a, a drug addict or, or, or suffering from some other addiction. You know, the one who is a gambling, who has a gambling addiction. The enemy will cause financial hardship or cause some sort of financial stress to happen that will push you to the addiction. Those are the lions. You know, those are the lions. But if you trust in your God and say, God, Father, I, I, this is something, I don't want to go back here. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to gamble anymore. I don't want to be promiscuous anymore. I don't want to watch the wrong things anymore. I don't want to listen to the wrong things. I don't want to hate. I don't want to be fearful anymore. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be arrogant. Whatever our lions represent, if we have indeed set our hearts upon God to be delivered from those things and are walking on that narrow road unto our total and complete deliverance, when the enemy puts us in a situation where we are now face to face with our lions, with those lions, the angel of the Lord will shut the mouths of those lions that they cannot consume us because we believed on our God. This is the practice of faith. This is the practice of faith. It's not that we will not come into the lion's den or be thrown into the lion's den. It is that even when we are thrown into the lion's den, because we trust in the God of our recovery, because we trust in the God of our deliverance, because we trust in the God of our courage and of our faith. And when we say we are his servants, and he says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, correcting those who oppose themselves. Because we are committed to these things, then the God that we believe in will send an angel to shut the mouths of those lions that the wicked one will bring into our surrounding so that those lions cannot hurt us. This is the God that we serve. If God could close the mouth of ravenous lions who very shortly after this incident with Daniel, the people who accused him with their children and their wives were thrown into the pit. And the Bible tells us that the lions scattered their bones, broke every one of their bones before they even hit the floor. So it's not because the lions were not hungry. It's not because the lions had suddenly become converted. It was God 
who kept them from consuming Daniel. So if God could keep ravenous lions, physical, eye-to-eye, face-to-face lions from eating Daniel, what are our fears before God? What are our addictions before God? They are nothing as long as we believe that he can deliver us and we desire to be delivered. We have to want to be delivered from those lions. We have to trust in the God who wants us to be delivered as well. So the question is, do you believe in your God? Faith is an experienced thing. It is not lip service. It is not mouth. It's easy to say we believe until we're put into a situation where our faith is put to the test. But God is showing us here in this story that small children in Sunday school know like the back of their hand. He's given us a message here that as we grow into men, because Daniel was a full grown man when this incident happened, as we grow into men and women in our walk with God, when wickedness is never going out of style until Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Until then, wickedness will persist. Wicked people will persist. Unrepentant, evil people will forever be in this world until the day they're not. So when they come around us and stir up the waters around us and have us thrown into the lion's den, are we going to cower Are we going to stop worshiping like the evil people who uh, coerced the king to enter the edict? Or are we going to continue steadfastly in the service of our God because we believe in him? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. And we have to bring ourselves to the point where we don't just talk about our faith. We now have to be about our faith. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.